Love it, love it, love it. Welcome to Food, Faith, and Feelings, walking with you on your journey to wholeness. I'm Carlos Houston, your co-host, and I have the lovely Dr. Jeannie Burnett. Hello, Carlos. How you doing, Doc? I'm good. How are you? I am great. You knew who I would like to talk to right now. Don't you have a client coming in? I do. Go ahead. So, uh, welcome. Welcome, Mr. Rufus. Uh, hi, hi, how you doing? How you doing? Well, look, look I, 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 let me tell you up front now. Now, this ain't my idea. Like, the missus said if I didn't come in and talk to somebody, she was going to leave me. Now, so you don't want to come in and talk now, to the hold therapist? On. Well, well, see, the thing is, I don't really care if she leave me or not, but I know she's going to take my dog, and, 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 oh, no. and I can't live without my dog. What's your dog's name? Uh, 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 Rufus Jr. Rufus Jr. If that's appropriate. I love it. Yeah, yeah he looks just like me, too. Does he? He don't. What kind of dog is he? A uh, greyhound. <laughs> he's a greyhound. Well, he's gray and he's a hound. I call him a greyhound. <laughs> okay, Rufus. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, tell me a little bit about why you've uh, your wife wants you to come in and talk to me. See, she's like, oh, wait, she's making a big deal out of nothing. See, what, uh, what? she always says she don't never see me eat. Well, it ain't my fault she ain't awake when I'm eating. That's on her. She's sleep. Well, Mr. Rufus, when are you eating? I eat every day at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock in the afternoon? In the morning. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Rufus. You're eating at 3 a.m.? Well, we'll see. Well, I, I, get up, I get up about 2.45 in the morning. That's when I, I like to have my bowel moves at 2.45 because it's nice and peaceful and there ain't, ain't nothing going on. So I get about 2.45 and then I go in the kitchen and I, I, I get a little something to eat. You do? Well, can you tell me a little bit about what you were eating at 3 o'clock in the morning? Whatever's in the kitchen. So, like last night, did you get up at three o'clock in the morning? And eat? I, 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 every morning, about three o'clock in the morning. Well, anyway, I got so I went to get last night. I ate a, 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 a pack of Oreos. Uh, I had a, a carton of uh, ice cream. Well, uh, we had we had some leftover turkey still from Thanksgiving, so I, I ate the rest of that up. And um, see, I had I had. So, Rufus, uh, are you are you aware like of what's going on when you're doing this? Uh, what, what do you mean away? I'm, I'm eating, I'm chewing, swallowing. What, what do you mean? I know, but sometimes people they get up in the middle of the night and they have a large amount of food, and I'm not, I'm not, no judgment, no judgment. I'm just saying that that's quite a bit. I mean, a whole pack of Oreos is that what it is? Well, see, I, I don't start off eating a whole pack of Oreos. What, what, what happened was, see, I start eating. I ate one or two Oreos, and then I, I just look up and the, the pack gone. And that's not my fault. They, they, they shouldn't make them so good. I uh, know. I love Oreos, yeah, too. Yeah, Lord. But that's, that's quite, like, so what I'm hearing is that you might be eating a, quite a lot of food at night when everyone else is asleep. It ain't my fault they sleep, but. I know, but that's typically, mm-hmm. you know, in the South when mm-hmm. people go to sleep, mm-hmm. is, you know, in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Are you eating anything else during the day? Well, I, 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 have a, I don't eat, I don't eat, I don't eat during the day. I, 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 I work, see, I work. See, I, I, I'm a strong background. I work for a living. Yeah, I don't have time to eat during the day. I got stuff going on. I understand. Yeah. I understand. So what you're saying is you don't eat all day long and you come home and you go to bed because you're just probably so mm-hmm. exhausted. Right, right, right. Yeah, I work. Then, I tell you, I work. You, I, I heard you very loud and clear that you're working and you're working hard for your family. I understand that. But you are eating a lot at night. And mm-hmm. then how, how many hours would you say you're doing this? Eating? Mm-hmm. Well, I, usually, I usually make it back to bed about, um, I don't know, maybe about, about 4, 30, 5, something like that right there. I sleep about two or three more hours and get on up and then I'll go, go back to work. And then that food lasts you throughout the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at me. I'm fit. I look good, don't I? You do. You look yeah. phenomenal. Thank you. Tell my wife that. She don't know. So, you know what? 
Rufus, um, I need to take a little bit of a break right now, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk with you a little bit about maybe what's going on. And there's actually a word for it. Would you like to know what it is? Well, yeah. For my wife? Sure. Or for you. I mean, if you want to know. No, I'm saying a word for my wife. Yeah, it's called marriage. That's that's what's going on. I'm married. That blasted. That's what's going on. Okay, Rufus. So I believe maybe what you've got going on is a night eating disorder. It's a binge eating disorder at night. And what I'd like to do is take a little bit of a break and we'll come back and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So you out there in Radio Land, what would you think if I told you that 95% of the listeners right now probably don't have an eating disorder, but may have some form of disordered eating? What would you think about that? Food, Faith, and Feelings can only air because of our sponsors. And we would like to thank our inaugural sponsor, NYSA Capital, for being there for us. NYSA literally means in Greek, a new beginning. NYSA is a new beginning for financial capital. NYSA Capital works with United States Enterprises to qualify and structure investments under the EB-5 program and to market and sell the investment units for foreign investors. Basically, their mission is to identify, qualify, and make available the most secure EB-5 investments to qualified foreign investors, accomplishing the immigration objectives of the investor, efficient capitalization of the investment, and the economic development and job creation objectives. Welcome back to Food, Faith, and Feelings, our walk with you on your journey to wholeness. Uh, Dr. Jeannie? Yes. Rufus sounds quite interesting, to say the least. Yes, he's a very unique guy. I would say that. (laughs) Okay, well, I I want to hear more about Rufus, and I want to know your thoughts about what's going on. But first, I think uh, let's get to know you. Uh, Who are you? Well, I am Dr. Jeannie Burnett. I am a psychologist. I've been a psychologist since 1999, and I am a certified eating disorder specialist. I specialize in eating disorders. I've started programming uh, with the Mana Fund for those who have significant and severe eating disorders. We put them in treatment across the nation. Uh, We've been around for about 10 years. And then the Mana Treatment is a program now under Mana Fund, which is local in the Gwinnett County area. And we also service people who have eating disorders in that practice and in both of those programs, we provide the payment or provide the treatment for them when they cannot afford it. Okay. Now, I can tell you how many times I hear, oh, I have an eating disorder. Is that, I mean, so give me a little more understanding. What is an eating disorder? So is that someone who eats too much? Is that someone who is overweight? Is that someone who is underweight? What is, give me, can you give me a layman terms of understanding of what eating disorders are? Sure. So, An eating disorder, so any kind of, quote, disorder is actually something that causes problems. If you are, if you're, if if you're, if you're overeating and your problem is that your pant size is too small, that means you need to buy new pants. But that doesn't mean that you are um, putting your health necessarily at risk. Now, some people do, um, but it's there. It's a more complicated process. I, I get that a lot too. You know, are you watching what I'm eating? Oh my gosh, are you analyzing me? And um, it, it's really more of what is the issue? I mean, an eating disorder is a medical 
It's a biological and it's a behavioral way of coping. And all of those factors are really tied into a, a significant and severe eating disorder. Okay. I got you. I got you. So now, Rufus. Yes, sir. Would you say Rufus has an eating disorder? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, explain that to me. So an eating disorder is, according to Rufus and his behavior, I mean, he does have a binge eating disorder. Most people don't understand what a binge eating disorder is. Um, A binge eating is where you eat large quantities of food in about an hour and a half to two hours. And it would be more than what most people would eat maybe in in an entire day. You know, most people eat around 1,800, 2,000 calories, and that's what the consumption is in that moment. And a lot of the times it's frenzied eating. It is, they can't, uh, they don't really think about what they're eating. And there's a little bit of disconnect from their own behavioral pattern in terms of what's going on. That's good stuff. Now, a lot of people assume that eating disorders is a female disorder, is a woman's disease. But Rufus here, good old Rufus, can you help me understand that? that well, 85% of the people who have come forward and have been diagnosed, typically 85% is women, 15% is men. But I really think that there's probably a larger number of men that have eating disorders. They just don't recognize it. They don't want to deal with their feelings. And, and the eating disorder is a fabulous way of not dealing with your feelings and just going into food. And that's what a large, large part of our population does. And that's really why we're doing this show, Food, Faith, and Feelings. Uh, we have this desire to help shed light on the issues that are related to food, to body image, to relationships, relationships with um, God, to other people. And we, we really, I, I really want to be able to help people balance out what's being healthy with what they're trying to control. Lots of times people trying to control their feelings with food or other aberrant behaviors. And so that's what this show is all about, is to help explain and educate. I'd like to thank the people that are making this show possible. We've talked about NYSA Capital. They're amazing people. If you are foreign and you would like to create jobs and opportunity and have that here, NYSA Capital is the best place to go. Um, And I'd also like to talk about uh, my friend Tiffany, who owns Epic Growth. She helps nonprofits use $10,000 per month in free Google advertising. Since 2003, did you know that Google has donated free advertising to over 20,000 nonprofits in 50 countries in helping them raise millions in cash, in recruiting volunteers, and in raising awareness for their causes? If you go to epicgrowth.com, that's E-P-I-C-growth.com, See if your your nonprofit organization is eligible for this $10,000 in free advertising today. And I will say, Tiffany is helping Mana Fund, which is the nonprofit that is being benefited by this show, to get this program going on our website, which is manafund.org. Thanks again to our sponsors. And uh, welcome back to Food, Faith, and Feelings. Uh, let's meet Carlos. Mr. Carlos Houston, tell us a little bit about yourself, Carlos. Well, Jeannie, as you know, I have 20 years of working in mental health. 
providing therapy, patient care, uh, assessments. Uh, and recently or currently my role uh, working in a eating disorder residential hospital, uh, especially hospital for the treatment of eating disorders, helping individuals find that placement uh, for higher levels of care. Um, it has the use fulfilling, rewarding. Those are words that, that you hear all the time. People throw them out. Um, but I have had the opportunity of working with what I believe are some of the best people. And this is on both sides, those providing therapy and providing treatment and those who are, who are seeking it. I, I think there's so many stereotypes that are associated with eating disorders. And we all believe, oh, that's just a rich white girl disease. And it is, that's the farthest from the truth. I've worked with all cultures, all races, all ages, all genders, um, and individuals who, as you said earlier, who are finding life to be very difficult yeah. because of the eating disorder. Um, and so to be able to give them direction and, and to assist them on this journey to wholeness. Um, yeah, and we also, I, I personally want to thank you for being on the board of directors for the MANA Fund. You've, you've been a wonderful asset to our program. Thank you. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, I love being a part of Mana Fund. I love uh, assisting uh, individuals with that um, because it can, it can be expensive. This is a very difficult treatment. It's a multidisciplinary approach is necessary. So you're, you're talking about working with uh, therapists, dietitians, psychiatrists, medical doctors, pediatricians. So it's, it's, there's a large clinical community that has to come together to treat eating disorders. Yes, which is why eating disorder treatment is so extremely expensive. Folks, did you guys know that it could cost between 1000 which is now on the low end, to $2,500 per day? And a lot of programs want to put people in for 60 to 90 days, which is exactly what people need. That's right. actually with the MANA Fund, we try and help people get in their treatment program for 60 to 90 days. So we have you know, try and provide enough funding for that. But when it's on that person and when they have to work with their insurance, a lot of the times they go into extreme debt. In fact, I know of a woman who had twins, has twins, and both of them from 13 to 20 have had ongoing intensive residential treatment across the country. And they are several million dollars in debt. And that's part of what we're doing here and having this program to try and help educate, to try and help, uh, you know, honestly raise funding for MANA Fund, but also help people to stop the behavior that they've got so that they don't help create eating disorders with themselves or with their children and just really to, to recognize the problem. Bring awareness uh, is, a, is a big part of it. Um, like you said, for, for some of us, there's generational and, and even cultural issues involved sometimes where it has become the norm. Uh, abnormal behavior, abnormal thinking has become the norm. And, and because mama did it and grandmama did it and, and granddaddy did this. And so we believe this is normal. Uh, so to be able to bring the awareness of um, one of the things that, like I said, I've, I've been working in mental health for like 20 years and and have worked with eating disorder patients, have provided therapy and, and, and uh, skill building. But one thing that I did not know until I started working for uh, the specialty hospital for the treatment of eating disorders was that eating disorders have the highest mortality rate than any, than any other mental illness. Yes. And, and that's, that's a big deal. I, I think um, a lot of people don't understand that. This is not a disease of choice. It's not a situation where 
uh, as grandmama say, just get that baby a sandwich. No, that's not the case. No, no, uh, that we are in, working with individuals who are finding it difficult to live on a day to day basis. And as I said earlier, I always hear that joke. Um, oh, I have an eating disorder. And one of the ways that I use to help people understand the difference between maybe some disordered eating and a true eating disorder is, is for some people, uh, a plate of food on the table is like a rattlesnake on the table. Uh, the, the concept of sitting down and eating is just that scary to them. Right. And that's, that's on one end of the spectrum. But then when we want to take it back to someone like Rufus, who, you know, for whatever his reasons are, he's not eating throughout the day. He's, he's focused on maybe helping his family or providing and doing his best at his job so that he can keep his job and provide for his family, which I know for men, it's, it's, it's difficult because there's a lot of pressure on men to be the provider. And when they feel like they're lacking or they're, they're struggling with that, there's, there's a lot of um, self-doubt and issues that can develop inside. And so for men, you know, engaging in that food ritual where he's eating so much, such as, you know, a, a binge eating disorder, a, a person inside that has a binge eating disorder, especially at night, they have a lot of shame. They have a lot of emptiness and what they need is the way, a way to nurture themselves. And that, I think, is exactly what was going on with Rufus, is he's working and busting his tail all day. And so at night, when there's no pressure on him, he may begin to feel that emptiness and begin to feed that emptiness inside with whatever it is that is good to him. I mean, it, that box of cookies was like one, it's one and done. And I mean, eating one was the same as eating the whole box to him. And Nobody's around and he's got his time to ha be by himself and take care of himself. It's the self-love, self-nurturance. So how would you, can, can you share with us maybe what your therapeutic approach would be? How would you go about working with Rufus? How, how could you help him? Um, well, the, what I would do is try, especially with men, um, sometimes men think differently than women do. I think you we think? I think so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um, what I like to do is go with what he knows. He knows work. He knows how hard it is. And really to um, join with him and side with him in how hard he's working and then ask him where, when he has time for himself, when, what kind of ways does he take care of himself? What kind of fun does he have? And then it, it, it's sort of this slow, sometimes sideways way of helping him understand that there really is a deeper loneliness or a deeper emptiness inside of him. And then to try and talk about that. Now, the problem with someone like Rufus is that he may not have those skills built yet. Right. So it would be quite a long process. But trust is the first first road that's the first that's the first hurdle that I always try and get to with someone and lots of times if they don't trust people and they don't trust me you know I'm a I'm a, I'm a stranger but you know all he knows is that he's gonna lose his dog if he his most prized possession if he does not come and talk to me and <laughs> right. so you know I need to befriend him not be his friend but just connect with him and a lot of times establishing trust can take months sometimes it can take years for people 
But um, one of the ways that I like to work, especially with men, is there is is kind of a direct approach. Men want they want they want to come in and they want to get it done. Right, right. Get it over with. Right. Let's, let's do this. And so get the um, misses off his back, right? Correct. And and that would be actually a goal that I would establish with Rufus is hey, let's figure out how to get your wife off your back. Right. I mean, I know you don't necessarily. You know, he might want to, he might say something like, well, uh, you mean I got to come back? <laughs> and I would say, well, yeah, Rufus, we can't just do this in one shot. Like this didn't develop in one night. So we've got to develop, you know, a weight, a coping skill to help you cope with whatever it is you're dealing with over time. And like what you said there, this didn't develop overnight. Does Rufus even see this as being a problem? Apparently not. But but this is what I'm saying is sometimes, you know, um, I couldn't see Rufus. I couldn't see his size. And so, you know, depending on his weight, um, you know, I, I would want to look at, you know, or get a doctor to tell me how he's doing physically, because that's always the first place that I start with someone that has an eating issue is how are you doing medically? Are you are you OK? Do you have heart issues? Do you have breathing issues? Do you have you know, so I look at the whole person right. and you have to with an eating disorder. If they are not physically in a healthy place, therapy is for not. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Right. So. It's great. Very, very, very good. Now, food, faith and feelings. Um, you, you gave an explanation of, of why you're doing this. Uh, is there a personal or an intimate connection that you have with food, faith, and feelings? Oh, absolutely. Great question. Um, I was a gymnast, 14 to 18, developed an eating disorder when I quit gymnastics. And it took me four years. So I quit gymnastics. I'm sorry. I quit gymnastics at 14. For the next four years, I was eating disordered. So from 8 to 14, gymnastics, 14 to 18, I developed an eating disorder. I was anorexic and then I was bulimic, which can often happen. People can switch eating disorders and got treatment, um, actually was able to go into the hospital for six and a half weeks. And because of my journey, I, I'm trying to help give back and help heal in any way I can that community. That is awesome. I, I, I love that. Uh, and I think that that, can do you see that as a common theme with, with providers, clinicians, just the desire to. Yeah, lots of times, like the woman that's helped me start the program, um, we used to say it takes one to know one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so uh, a lot of the times, you know, whoever specializes in a certain area oftentimes has conquered that area. Right. Um, whether they want to talk about that or not, um, a lot of the, like, but I tell my clients, hey, I've been there. I have done that. And I, if you will listen and, and work with me, we will get you through this and out of my office as soon as we can. Do you find that that helps build the rapport and, and that trust that you talked about earlier? A lot of times it does. But the other part of the other part of my life is my faith. And so every week um, at the ending of Food, Faith and Feelings, I want to share a verse for that week. And this week it is Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds her house, but the fool destroys her house with her own hands. When I first read that, I, I was amazed and believed that um, this is exactly what happens with people with eating disorders. They 
they want they have some some need inside and so they want to you know help themselves but really what manna was was God's provision in the desert and so when people are in the desert in the emotional desert of their life i am trying to help them understand that if they could turn back to god and put trust and faith in him to get them through then they're going to be their their load is a lot lighter because they're carrying so much with them through that desert and I'd like to just tell you a little bit about next week. It's going to be Christmas, and we would like to talk a little bit about how even though Christmas is a happy time, it can also be extremely stressful, especially for those who have eating issues, because let's face it, the holidays is a lot about food, and so that's a very, very difficult time for those people who have... And family issues. Exactly, exactly. And we might actually meet another client. I believe so. We're going to do a call in next week. And if I may make a request, please tell someone about the show. Uh, if you heard something that resonated with you, if you saw your uncle in Rufus <laughs> or your dad or your brother, or just heard some things that you felt like you have seen, now's the time to bring them in. All right. Well, we'll see you next week on Food, Faith, and Feelings, Your Journey to Wholeness. Goodbye. Goodbye.